1: Mm, great to be with you as we have one final football game to play of significance. Yes, it is Super Bowl 54. Yes, it is the San Francisco 49ers and the Kansas City Chiefs, the Niners looking for their first championship since 25 years ago when they won where else but in Miami in that very stadium, Hard Rock Stadium. At, at that time, it was Joe Robbie Stadium, Pro Player Stadium. Whatever you want to call it, it's the same facility for the Chiefs. They have not won a championship since Lyndon Johnson was in the White House 50 years ago. Uh, Now can they come back around with Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, and a little Chiefs magic in this matchup? We're here to talk about it on Three Dog Thursday. That and some college hoops uh, and more with some special guests. Straight ahead, Gary Seegers is back with me. Winning Cures Everything podcast, he and Chris Giannini all over Super Bowl 54, been all throughout the football season with the ins and the outs, the picks, the predictions on their show. Love having these guys hop on Three Dog Thursday and talk dogs with me. In this case, Gary's going to also be talking some of the proposition bets uh, for this game for the Super Bowl, what he thinks it comes down to, and some college basketball conversation. After all, this podcast is going to become more about college hoops Uh, in the coming weeks now that we have the NFL put to bed. So Gary's going to be up first. Then in addition to the Super Bowl, it's also Hall of Fame selection weekend for the Pro Football Hall of Fame with the NFL finalists that are going on. Hall of Fame voter Jason Cole, I love his insight anyway, former national football writer with the Bleacher Report and also with Yahoo Sports, now writing uh, some of the time on FloridaFootballInsiders.com, the website that focuses on Florida football. College and pro of course the Super Bowl in Miami will get Jason's insight uh, not only on the Hall of Fame process but some of the great Super Bowls in Miami in South Florida if not the state of Florida I've had the privilege to be at two of these uh the first one the Baltimore Ravens destruction of the New York Giants in Tampa in January of 2001. In fact, Jason Cole and I are going to talk about that game uh, in a little bit here on the interview and the conversation. And then the Buccaneers, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, my uh, my fall employer, uh, 17 years ago, made history in January of 2003 in San Diego with a Super Bowl championship win over the Oakland Raiders. I was there in San Diego for that one. So I will not be there at Super Bowl 54, but I've been there a couple of times before. Jason, I'll reminisce about some of the games here. Of course, I'm in Tampa where the Scott Norwood wide right still resonates some 30 years later for the Buffalo Bills in the loss of the Giants. But you know, Jacksonville had the Super Bowl where the Patriots were victorious uh, over the Philadelphia Eagles and Andy Reid. That's the last time Andy Reid was in the Super Bowl back 15 years ago now. Now he's back with the Kansas City Chiefs. Anyway, we'll reminisce on all of this and talk Hall of Fame with Jason Cole. And then closing things out, love the insight of Brian Edwards, MajorWager.com and also Vegas Insider. He and I will go back and forth on Super Bowl 54 and the matchups, and then we'll even talk some proposition bets crossing over sports like the NBA or college hoops or the PGA Tour, et cetera, et cetera, with the different props from the NFL game uh, that's coming up. So Brian Edwards will close the show out. Look forward to talking with Brian. A Little bit later on on the program, so stand by uh, for that. He'll also have some college basketball thoughts as well with some underdogs, uh, either for Thursday or for Saturday. So, lots more on the college hoops. Special guests coming up as well. Reminder subscribe to this show as we move forward, however you found it through a social media link, through our friends at Red Circle Podcasting, through Spreaker uh, and Spreaker.com and their mobile app. Subscribe, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe and the podcast comes automatically to you. So subscribe away, spread the word, rate us, review us. Love to uh love to get many, many more subscribers as they have uh you you guys have been flocking to the podcast by the hundreds and by the hundreds. Keep it up, subscribe to the show. That's the easiest way to have the podcast come to you, especially when we start talking more about the college hoops. All right, much to get to about the Super Bowl, about the Hall of Fame induction coming Saturday night. Will my man John Lynch get in in the Hall of Fame? All that discussion coming up with our guest. You're tuned to the only digital radio show that's devoted exclusively to those underdogs, Three Dog Thursday. Let's get rolling with all the conversation. Yes, he is leading off. Good to be back here with Gary Seegers of the Winning Cures Everything podcast as I don't believe that we have gotten the chance to chat it up here since the Super Bowl has been set uh, because you guys have been busy getting some things done. Kind of had a week off last week with no uh, NFL game. We've got the college basketball going on and finally the 49ers and the Chiefs are getting here. So you're getting us rolling on Three Dog Thursday. Now I should make mention for our audience on the podcast on Three Dog Thursday that you can also see this interview on the Winning Cures Everything YouTube channel where that male model Gary Seegers, you can see him. (laughs) However, Gary Seegers, they cannot see me, and that's that's probably good because I'm – I need to be uh, heard but not seen right now. They can see my they, picture and then they can imagine they got your smiling
2: mug.
3: Okay, my You're smile. All good. good. You're I, right there. I am.
1: I am good. So they <laughs> see moving Gary Seekers. They don't see moving. They just hear TJ uh, on the Winning Cures Everything YouTube channel. You're hearing it as is uh, here on the Three Dog Thursday podcast. I love the technology on how we're making all of this uh, work. How are you, my friend? Are, are you like me? You are anxious to get Super Bowl L I. V out there Super Bowl 54 let's go let's go for Sunday
4: I gotta tell you I was once we got up to the AFC and the NFC championship game I was just about done with football I was exhausted I I spend so much time looking at numbers listening to information you know coming up with all these different things and it takes up so much of my time and I've gotten even more into college basketball. Every day I run my numbers. I see what I like, what I don't like, uh, which, by the way, over at the website, winningcureseverything.com, my daily picks are up there all the time. You can get it on my Twitter as well, at WCE. Uh, hitting nearly 58% so far in the year. Good. And, uh, and as we speak... I just watched Southern Illinois win at home against Loyola Chicago as a four-point dog. Had that one today, <laughs> so I'm uh, I'm three and zero oh on the evening. I've got two that don't look like they're going to hit, but uh, but I did have Nevada plus four at Colorado State, and that one's looking pretty good so far. So, you know, we'll see. We'll see. I, I should be a four and two evening, I think. But uh, yeah, yeah. It it. I was exhausted. I was tired. I was ready for full, uh, Football to be over, and now. I'm amped back up. I'm ready to go. I'm ready for XFL next week. I mean, I'm ready for all kinds of stuff. So I've, I've actually started doing a little preview for uh, for the XFL that we'll get into next
1: week. I love I love all of it. And uh, and obviously, there's a Tampa XFL team. You're in the uh, the greater Memphis area in the mid South. They had a team a year ago in the Alliance of American Football, which did eight of its ten regular season games, and then ran out of money and went kaput. I think McMahon's league yes. may play the whole year, so that'll be interesting. To see how it uh, how it plays out with the TV ratings and the major markets and the NFL stadiums and all of that, so he we, says
4: that he's got the money invested already for three full seasons. Oh. <laughs> uh, you know, we'll shoot, see. hey,
1: we'll shoot for one. He did one back in two thousand one. Yeah. Let's see if he gets beyond the first season uh, on this go around <laughs> with the money and all the stuff with McMahon's uh, XFL. All right, so that's a conversation for future Three Dog Thursdays. 49ers and Chiefs. Give me a little bit on the matchup here, and for three dog Thursday purposes, right now uh, we're headed into Thursday with Kansas City still as the favorite in this one. So, give me give me a couple of thoughts on this uh, on this Super Bowl here.
4: Well, this this line has it opened as a pick'em out in Vegas and was quickly bet to Kansas City minus one, minus one and a half, and As of today, I've been able to find books that have it at two and a half, which is just kind of crazy to me. Uh, Big thing that we talked about on our show, on our preview this week, was uh, DVOA, so defensive value over average, right? So a big thing about that, uh, in Super Bowls, for whatever reason, I guess because there is the bye week for both teams before the game, you have a lot of time to figure out the other team's offense. Now, both of these coaches are offensive coaches. You would think that that would actually help the offenses, but it hasn't in the past. So the last four Super Bowls, the team that has the better DBOA has actually won. Out of the last 17, uh, the better defensive DBOA has gone 11-6. and Mm. Now, some of these have been really close. Some of them haven't. Uh, Just to give you an idea of which way I'm leaning on this, San Francisco has the number two. Defensive DBOA in the league, Kansas City is number 14. So, you know, you can look at all the different stats. You can look at yards per point. You can look at, um, you know, yards per play. Whatever you want to look at. Uh, San Francisco has a real, real advantage in this game from an overall team standpoint. Uh, They do not have the better signal caller, but I don't think that we've seen everything that they are going to do with Jimmy Garoppolo in this game I don't think that they've lost you know, any kind of confidence in him at all. I don't think they've had to use him for the last two weeks, uh, the last two playoff games. Right. They, they haven't needed to use him whatsoever. They have ran over the Vikings and ran over the Packers like it was nothing. Uh, I don't know that they'll be able to do the exact same thing against Kansas City. Kansas City's actually done a really good job of being able to stop the run or at least slow down teams. Um, but a, a lot of that has to do with When you get up on a team, they have to go away from their bread and butter. Well, I think if you take San Francisco away from running the football, they're still going to be able to score points. So, you know, I'd love to see the matchup. i love to see uh, the coaches going against each other. Kyle Shanahan and Andy Reid are fantastic offensive coaches. Uh, You're going to see some crazy stuff in this game. If, If there are props... Uh, for trick plays and fake punts and whatnot. Like I, I would look for something like that because you know that these guys are going to do something to try and gain an advantage.
1: Yeah, no doubt about that. As you listen on here to Gary Seeger's Winning Cures Everything podcast, uh, I know that later on in the show, we're going to talk with Brian Edwards from MajorWager.com about some of these cross-sport uh, proposition bets. You're not big. You told me this before we officially began the interview. You're not big on any of the prop bets Really, uh, for this one, it it doesn't entice you on a uh, number of uh, of receiving yards uh, for Tyreek Hill or a number of sacks for Nick Bosa. <laughs> none of that, none of that, really appeals, uh, at least for your taste in this Super Bowl.
4: It, at least for my taste, uh, because I could see this game going any number of different directions, and you know, there's some there's some games where props make a whole lot of sense. But these have been driven into the ground. Uh, People have, you know, in a regular season game or even in a regular playoff game, you're not going to get as much action on it. So the numbers, you may be able to find an edge somewhere. I don't know that you can do that in this situation because so many people are so invested in it and so many people have done so much work towards it uh, that the numbers really should be right, right around exactly where they should be. Uh, I did like... Raheem Mostert, um, I liked under on his rushing yards because I think that uh, I think the carries are going to get divvied up a little more. I think you're going to see more from Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, so I was able to get it at under 86 and a half rushing yards, but I've seen other books that have it, you know, in the mid 70s. I have, you know, wow. I don't know where it lands. So other people's books uh, are going to be all over the place on some of these props. So you know, I'm I'm kind of staying away from it. Uh, I think Chris and I on Friday are going to kind of go over some of the props and, and just pick out fun ones, you know, heads or tails. And, uh, you know, I was listening to a podcast called Bet the Process and that's Jeff Ma and Rufus Peabody. I don't know if you listen to them, but they are analytics guys and they are fantastic. Um, and one of the big things that they were looking at was, uh, will the opening kickoff be a, uh, touchdown or not? <laughs> <laughs> and with even at the odds of like, you know, minus two fifty for no, it's still a good bet based on uh, where Hardman is and, and how far the San Francisco kicker kicks it and all that kind of stuff. But you don't know who's going to kick off, right? <laughs> so it's still a good bet to <laughs> bet no. Well, uh, and so we you, and you by know, the
1: way, we have had a Super Bowl open with a kickoff return for a touchdown. That was Devin Hester of the Bears. In this stadium, oh, yeah. in Miami, in Hard Rock Stadium. <laughs> uh, quick story on that one. Uh, you'll love yeah. this, Gary Seegers, as, as we talk about the—and I'll circle back to your analytics and the actual prop bet on the kickoff return. Um, uh, so I got a, an opportunity to work with Archie Manning and, and be around um, Archie and hear different stories— And so um, he told the story about that night in Miami where Peyton Manning's playing in his first Super Bowl and Archie is in the suite with the family, with oldest brother Cooper, with Eli, who's the quarterback of the Giants, uh, with their wives uh, and with Olivia, his, uh, his wife, Peyton Manning's mom. And the name escapes me on Peyton's, uh, uh, wife, but she's in the suite as well. So Archie, Amy, uh, Amy thank you. All right. So, yeah. so Archie has a team meeting with all with all the family members, and he <laughs> says, "Listen, this is a this is a neat night. It's a neat honor. It's something I never got to do. And and we don't know when this is ever going to happen again for Peyton. We hope it happens a bunch. We hope it happens for Eli a bunch. But whatever happens." let's let's don't be miserable let's be happy and the other thing you need to be aware of is the tv cameras are probably going to be on us constantly and if something goes wrong i don't want us on worldwide tv from the super bowl looking down and out or mad or gesturing i want us to be positive i want us to be happy that's what he says so that's his that's his team meeting a few minutes before the game so the game kicks off the colts kick off and devin hester catches it and goes whatever he went 95 97 100 yards and archie says olivia who had been married to me 40 years at this time Olivia turns to me as Devin Hester is at about the 10-yard line, and she goes, I don't know about anybody else, but I'm miserable, damn it. <laughs> so, so so, that's the way that Super Bowl began uh, uh, there for the, uh, the Manning family. It ended, but it worked out, yes. Yeah, it did it worked out. It worked out well in that instance. <laughs> but back to your analytics, you're saying the opening kickoff return for a touchdown may just be a good value. Yeah, yeah, regardless of, of how much you're giving up
4: there, it, the odds of them actually returning the opening kickoff for a touchdown are it, not great. So, that I mean, that would be a good one. Um, I mean, there's all kinds of other ones that, that you can get into. Will there be an onside kick? <laughs> uh, there were only 60. There were 62 this year uh, onside kicks out of, right. what, what is it, two, 250-some-odd games. Uh, so the odds are... Eh, probably not. Um, you know, so if, if you want to go where the best EV is, uh, I would go no to the onside kick, and I'd go no to the opening kickoff. Interesting. Um, but if that if that's a little too much juice, then uh, then I can understand people not wanting to go that route because you're you're going to be giving up. You know three, four hundred, something like that. So wow. it is what it is.
1: Well, and um, and we think we have this stuff figured out. And then we get a Super Bowl like Super Bowl 53 a year ago where there's no touchdown scored by either team in the first three quarters. So sometimes yeah. you can look at the analytics and try to figure this stuff out. Look at the look at the trends and it doesn't matter. So we'll we'll see as they tee it up real quick, because I want to talk some college basketball before you've got to run and we've got to run uh, as well. What does this game come down to, in your mind? If you if you had to, in a couple of sentences, say this game is decided either by San Francisco or Kansas City doing what? What is it?
4: Uh, it would be decided to me at the line of scrimmage. Uh, can San Francisco make Patrick Mahomes do things that he doesn't want to do? And, and and that that doesn't include just getting pressure on him because obviously he's really good against pressure. But can you make him do things that he is uncomfortable with? And on the other side of the ball, it's still the trenches. San Francisco has to be able to run the football uh, to be successful. Now, I do still think that Jimmy G is going to get uh, a lot more play in this game. Uh, I think San Francisco wins the ball game. I think they've got the better overall team. Now, if it does get there's only three outcomes that I see happening: either San Francisco wins close, Kansas City wins close or Kansas City blowout. I don't see San Francisco blowing this team out um, because I think Patrick Mahomes is just too good. But if you can keep them on the sidelines and you can actually make Kansas City draw out their drives, don't let them score quick, all that, um, which may be kind of tough because San Francisco, they lean on uh, zone secondary coverages, and you know they don't have the, the horses really to line up man-to-man with these uh, speedy receivers. I, I think that San Francisco is going to be able to run the football basically whenever they want to because they are going to be more balanced. Um, but we'll see. You know, I, I like San Francisco here. I've got money on them. I've got money on the under. Uh, that line or the total opened at uh, 52 and a half. And it is all the way up to 55 at some mm. spots now. So I am under the 55, and I am San Francisco plus two and a half, but I've got them on the money line at plus 105 right now. So I'm, uh, yeah, I'm all over the 49ers here. I think they're the better overall team, and I think they'll get this W.
1: And they have had familiarity, different regimes, different players completely with Miami, two previous Super Bowls in Miami. We'll see what, what matters with that. All right, real quick, a couple of college hoop comments uh, from you. We're going to talk a lot of college basketball, not just on this Three Dog Thursday podcast but also moving forward, Gary Seegers, you and Chris Giannini on Winning Cures Everything, going to talk a lot of college hoops. We do as well. Thank you to the Memphis Tigers for finally showing up on a Wednesday (laughs) night, getting a win in Central Florida in Orlando, not far from where I'm seated, hosting the Three Dog Thursday podcast. So the Tigers have rebounded. Uh, are they are they going to get out of the funk that they are in? I know they have UConn on the weekend on Saturday. Are the Tigers, real quick, going to get out of the funk? This is my alma mater. This is the blue and the gray. we gotta we got to have them get into a stretch run here where they can do some damage in March. They needed some confidence, and tonight
4: got them that. You get a road win regardless of who it's against, and that's always a good thing, right? Uh, they got Boogie Ellis looking more like the recruit that he was supposed to be. Lance Thomas, the... Uh, the grad transfer, not even grad transfer, just the transfer from Louisville that had to sit out last season. He's a big man, but, uh, but he was hitting threes tonight. He, uh, he scored a career-high 20 points, uh, and the Tigers themselves only scored 59, so they're still not quite out of their offensive funk, but this team can still play defense. They've still got more talent than pretty much anybody they're going to play the rest of the year. Uh, yeah, I, I think they're out of the funk. They're going to find a way to get into the NCAA tournament, I believe, uh, but a lot of it has to do with whether or not the coaching staff allows them to build on that confidence, you know, stick with one lineup, make sure that everybody understands what their roles are, and I think they're going to be fine. All right. You know, it unless Penny doesn't do that in which case uh who knows what's going to happen. But if you keep uh taking freshmen out of the starting lineup and putting them in and taking them out and you know, sometimes they play 25 minutes and sometimes they play 8 minutes and what You know, nobody understands what the role is at that point. And, yeah, you're not going to be able to get very much out of them. So I I think they're going to be fine. I think they're
1: going to be okay. They do host UConn coming on Saturday. Interesting in the American Conference, a couple of top 25 matchups. Houston, which won midweek over East Carolina, playing at Cincinnati. Uh, Cincinnati obviously trying to make a case to make the tournament out of the American Conference. And Wichita State, will they be the road favorite? Likely Yes. At Tulsa, we don't know. The lines won't come out until after we've already put this podcast to bed and you're hearing it on Three Dog Thursday. But Tulsa has already whacked Memphis at home, beaten Houston at home. Let's see what happens in the American economy. That's an attractive doggy, maybe. Tulsa Golden Hurricane against Wichita State Saturday, Gary.
4: And Tulsa has been playing really, really well, uh, especially at home. They got a big win at UConn on Sunday. Uh, but then they got handed to them. By Cincinnati? No, 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 not Cincinnati. They got handed to them by by somebody uh, last night. So, you know, we'll see. Uh, I'm I'm curious, um, you know, what what they're going to look like this weekend. But yeah, Tulsa has been playing uh, above their heads for several weeks now, and yeah, Wichita State, while they are a good road team, uh, and I do expect them to be favored by you know probably four ish. Uh, I I think that might be a pretty good play. I I would definitely look at it.
1: All right, we'll find out what Tulsa can or can't do in that game. Anything else on the college front before you have to run here? I know Syracuse-Duke on the weekend will have a lot of eyeballs and a lot of attraction. We were already talking about uh, looking at that game. Anytime it involves Duke, you got to watch out. Uh, But also top top 25 on Saturday uh, has Michigan State at Wisconsin. Michigan State was an easy winner midweek over Northwestern. Um what else on the on the top 25 slate Before before this past weekend by the way and that game is at Wisconsin so it's in
4: Madison uh before this past weekend the Big 10 was hit like the home games were hitting at an 80% clip so the home teams were winning basically you know every four out of five games and that is just absurd because across college basketball it's typically about 60% that home teams win so for something like that, now obviously a lot of road teams won last weekend, um, but I, I think it might it might swing back the other way. Michigan State has looked good, but they haven't looked great on the road a lot. So that that might be another one because I would expect Michigan State to be a, a pretty sizable uh, favorite in that game. You know, but by sizable we're talking six, seven, eight points. Uh, I might look at Wisconsin there. Like mm. I, obviously, I run my numbers the morning of the games, like the night before and the morning of. And that looks like one that if the line comes out where I think it will, uh, that would definitely be one to, to pay attention to.
1: All right. This guy's always worth paying attention to. Tell the public here about more about the show, uh, about Winning Cures, uh, Winning Cures Everything, and, the, and where they can find it socially, on the web, et cetera. Gary, go winningcureseverything.com
4: is the website you can find all of our picks previews podcasts videos all of our social media platforms we're on facebook we're on twitter we are on youtube uh if you are watching on youtube right now you can go ahead and hit that subscribe button hit the like button make sure you leave a <laughs> comments, uh tell, tell tj how much you love him and uh and you can always find us on your favorite podcast distributor uh apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, spotify etc go check it out um yeah, we. I normally sound better than this. I have been out of commission for for the past couple of days, battling, uh, to off work. battling the oh, toddler
1: yeah. gunch, as I like to call it, or the oh, crud yeah. uh, here in the uh, post holiday stuff. I'm glad you're feeling better, I, and I'm glad <laughs> it's in time for the Super Bowl because everybody's got to ingest exactly. plenty of food and plenty of beverage in and around Sunday. Uh, for these games, let's let's see if we get a good one with S- San Francisco, Kansas City. I always love the insight. Go check out Gary and Chris. Winning cures everything, my friend. Thank you. Happy uh, Happy Super Bowl Sunday in advance. And now let's get on with it with the college basketball headed to March in the coming uh, days and weeks. Thank you, Gary Seegers.
4: Absolutely. Thank you very much.
1: Still to come: Hall of Fame voter and NFL. Longtime national writer and insider Jason Cole will be with us uh, talking about famous Super Bowls in the Sunshine State, including in Miami, as well as the Hall of Fame process. Also, Brian Edwards will be here in a bit, majorwager.com, and also Vegas Insider with Super Bowl handicapping still to come on the show. Three Dog Thursday brought to you in part by Play Pick Six and their mobile app. You can uh, get that mobile app in the Google Play Store or in the Apple Store. Download it now and pick any six games. College hoops, NBA, NHL, including in and around the Super Bowl mix and match sports, any six games in a given day, get them all right and you get a great prize from a sports restaurant gift card from our friends at play pick six. So uh, we encourage you to go download the app. It'll take you less than a couple of minutes to sign up. It's all absolutely free. Who doesn't love free? Play for free, no obligation to play. pick any six games in college. The NBA, the NHL, mix them and match them. Include that, include that 49ers Chiefs Super Bowl game on Super Bowl Sunday. You got NBA games, you got college hoop games, you got the Super Bowl. Play pick six. And here's a little secret for you. After you've downloaded the app at the Apple store or the Google Play Store, you can play multiple times in a day. If you're if one of your teams loses out, let's say on a college basketball Saturday, you're mixing and matching, and one of your teams loses out. As long as you've still got later games, West Coast games included, college hoops, the NBA, the NHL. Play another time on Play Pick Six to try to win that sports restaurant themed gift card. Again, go to the Google Play Store, go to the Apple Store. It's easy to find. Just remember the name Play Pick Six. Find out more at PlayPickSix.com about the app, about the game. Free to play with your chance to win. Show what you know. Do it now by downloading the app. It's Play Pick Six.
0: dogs a barking. who will get it done this week three dog thursday
1: now continues here again is tj Reeves. super bowl week and a super guest here i love this man's insight because he has been a long time a regional writer down in south florida national writer as well for the nfl for yahoo bleacher report Love his insight. He's written a couple of NFL books. He's a pro football Hall of Fame voter, which we've got to talk about. Writes also for FloridaFootballInsiders.com. He is Jason Cole back with me as part of the Three Dog Thursday podcast okay i know you are headed there for this weekend for those that are around the country primarily jason if they're freezing if they're shivering miami with the palm trees and the beach for the super bowl is just ideal you've done this many times in many different locales but what's special about south florida and miami hosting this game
0: well it's a party And if you want to party anywhere in the middle of winter, where are you going? Yeah. Okay. Okay. San Diego, sure. Um, L.A.? Yeah, probably. Um, New Orleans? Sure. Miami? Oh, yeah.
2: Absolutely.
1: Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So he's already got his invites, I think, uh, probably already lined up to do some of this, but it, again, it's some scene wherever this thing is, but when you're talking South Beach and the weather and the, I mean, it is, and this is, uh, this is what, the 10th or the 11th time I think Miami's hosted the game, so mm-hmm. it's some scene for this.
0: Oh, yeah, this is always, I mean, look, the Super Bowl is a spectacle, and if you're going to have a spectacle, the best place to do it is in Miami, because, there's no better place and i grew up in los angeles so trust me on this one there is no better place <laughs> in the world to people watch than in <laughs> miami and this is a people watchers extravaganza dare we say no i won't say it but we, yeah i put it this way
1: is, it's a 12 yeah. on a scale of 10 and maybe a 27 on a scale of 10 with what yeah, you're going to see he's definitely especially when you get to like Friday night Saturday before the game is played okay so uh, I want to get to Hall of Fame in a few moments because Jason's going to be in the room talking about a bunch of qualified candidates as he's done many many times they do this on Saturday and then they reveal things and of course this is the centennial year the 100th year of the NFL so it's a special Hall of Fame class I want to get to that Uh, but a fun one you're going to be writing about this so I'm not going to tip it uh, and, and, and pin you down to, to um, essentially preempt the column, if you will. But when you think about some great Super Bowl memories, there have been some in the state of Florida and in Miami in particular. I'm saying for me that I automatically remember Jerry Rice and the final drive of the 49ers cementing Montana's legacy, even though Rice didn't catch the winning touchdown. A lot of people don't remember John Taylor caught the winning touchdown. I think of that immediately but you could you could go the route of the Saints post Katrina uh with the onside kick to start the second half beating the Colts and Peyton Manning or heck even Peyton Manning and the Colts getting the monkey off his back and winning the Super Bowl uh against the the Bears those were all in Miami my point is, there are a lot that you could mention about Miami. Tampa had the Norwood uh, wide right Buffalo Steve, Bills. Steve, Young? Steve, Steve Young, Young in Miami, sure. Tampa had the Norwood uh, wide right Super Bowl with the Buffalo Bills. Uh, right. you, you, ha- you have a buffet to choose from. A lot of great moments in this state, and in particular in Miami for the Super Bowl that I know you're going to enjoy writing about.
0: Yeah, and I mean this is, and now we're then talk about the ones that you know date to my childhood. So you're talking about Namath, right? Sure. So if you go that, if you want to go that far back, where you see Elway's final game,
1: yeah, that's right,
0: uh, which I covered. And I mean, there are a lot of them. Steve Young's game covered that. Uh, Elway's final game covered that one. Um, you know, the the Super Bowls in Tampa covered those uh, as well. Um, especially the one the Ravens game over New York which was a devastation i mean it was it was you know it was over before the before halftime but it was still it was like it was still just an amazing thing to watch right
1: that so, that Ravens I defense guess. in the argument with the Bears, the eighty five Bears, maybe the no name Dolphins, the the Buccaneers that won the Super Bowl that had the number one defense in the, the NFL Ravens and Hall of Famers, favorite. right? That but that Ravens they're, they're, defense just smothered everybody, right?
0: That Ravens defense is the greatest defense. Um, and I look I saw the, the Bears defense in eighty five and it was it was <laughs> rugged and brutal, okay? And Buddy Ryan Coach them to be rugged and brutal. Um, I think that the Ravens are were better. I really, I really do. Because you had Ray Lewis, obviously. You didn't. You did not have Ed Reed. Okay, but they were just. I mean, they were so loaded at every position. Because you can go back to the the Bears defense and you can say, oh, you know, the corners weren't very good, and they weren't. Okay, the Bears corners were. Got by on the fact that the the blitz was so good up front,
1: <laughs> right? That they
0: didn't have to cover. I mean, but Marino, you know, if you go back to the game that Marino played against him that season, uh, you know, they they beat him up because you know they basically put you know Nat Moore in the slot and moved things around and discovered that those corners weren't very good in coverage, and that when they forced Otis Wilson into coverage, he wasn't very good either. So. You could beat them coverage-wise. You could not beat the Reds coverage-wise. I mean, they had Starks on one side. They had McAllister on the other side. That's a hell of a group. And then I think Woodson at safety. I mean, they had some guys who could play.
1: No doubt. That defense was awesome. And of course, I was also there with you in the media for that one for the Ravens. And that was the return of Trent Dilfer, who became the latest former Buccaneer quarterback to go somewhere else, along with Steve Young, along with Doug Williams, and win a Super Bowl. And he came back to, to Raymond James Stadium where he had played. And Dilfer wasn't the reason they won, but he still he threw a touchdown pass. He was the quarterback. He had a crowning the moment. Of,
0: the throw to Stokely early in the game. A really big play. Oh right? sure,
1: sure. So it, it just kind of adds to the it, lore.
0: Yeah, I mean it's it's and the, and because they weren't afraid to throw. Everybody thought, okay, they're going to come in, and they're going to play grind it out with Jamal Lewis, right? And just they'll play tight to the vest, and it'll be a you know maybe a seventeen to ten game, right? That was everybody thought that's how the Ravens were going to play. They went the other way. They said, we're going to come out, we're going to throw it at you. And they did. They hit the big one to Stokely that got everything started, and all of a sudden it was like this game was on, and, and they just rolled through it. It was they took they had some guts with McAllister because I mean not with McAllister with Dilfer because um, because by that time his courage had, had you know risen so high. You know you hit the big pass to Sharp in the game at Oakland, and you hit the big pass to Sharp in the game at Tennessee. Chuck Dilfer, that's, that's as good a moment as he has ever had in his career.
1: No doubt. I love this man is sharp, speaking of that, waxing about Super Bowls 20 years ago and coming forward with some of the great ones. Again, I'm very anxious to see that Namath guarantee uh, Jets Super Bowl win is now fifty years old, but it's as important as any of them because it it basically forced the merger. It made the it legitimized the AFL into being equal with the NFL. Uh, because then the Chiefs won the next year as the AFL team, and then the merger happened after that. And here are the Chiefs back fifty years later. So again, I'm teasing the audience on the podcast. Check it out. Jason will have two or three of his favorite memories the biggest ones of Super Bowls in Florida if not in Miami and where they will go um, on that one so before we get to the Hall of Fame just give me a quick thought do you think we get a really good game here on paper it looks like 49ers defense versus Mahomes and the electric offense do you think we get a good one Sunday
0: yeah I think we get a great Super Bowl believe I'm I'm hoping that it's a great Super Bowl because you've got Mahomes Yes, the San Francisco defense is terrific, right? But if you go back through this season, you look at sort of the five or six toughest games they had this year, right? And the common theme among those games, the Atlanta game was kind of weird because they were, you know, they were that was a a, a trap game. They they ran into that week. And you know, they were coming off a big victory and they were headed into a big game. So that was a bad situation kind of game. So they're playing against Five, you know, five games, six games actually that are relatively difficult, and the common theme is quarterbacks can move. The game that they lost in Baltimore to Lamar Jackson, right, twenty to seventeen. Lamar Jackson played a terrific game. The loss to Seattle um, early in the season in overtime at San Francisco. Russell Wilson brings them back, plays a great game. Uh, the other close game against Seattle at the end of the season for the, with the division on the line that comes down to what the one-inch line, basically, you know, the, the stop at the goal line. Um, Russell Wilson does a remarkable job in the fourth quarter of that game, right? Because he's another quarterback who can move—not necessarily a running quarterback, but a guy who can move. And the last other two surprisingly tough games were against Arizona, and the key there is Kyler Murray. To move. So if you can get your quarterback out of the pocket, that's really important. And I will also mention one other game that they had a tough time with, and that is the last game that they had against against uh, the Rams, which they won by a field goal. Key to that game is that Jared Goff um, either ran bootlegs or rollouts twenty times in that game. Um, so they got him outside of the pocket, and I know that for a lot of those games, D. Ford wasn't healthy. So a lot of people will say, okay, well, now they've got D4 back. Everything's magical. Maybe that's a big enough difference. But now they're also going against the best move quarterback that they've faced all year. Because Mahomes, while maybe he's not as fast as Lamar Jackson. He is a far better scrambler and runner to throw. He's even better... I think, than Russell Wilson, who's pretty terrific. Mm-hmm. When he's out of the pocket. So I think that matchup becomes really interesting, especially if you can buy a little bit of time for Tyree Kill or Nicole Hardman or Sammy Watkins. You're going to see some deep throws. I'll say this I would be shocked if they do not try and match up Richard Sherman a bunch of times, and whoever has matched up against Sherman. That guy's wearing go routes, and they're just they're just taking off because they're going to challenge to see how are his legs. Because in the second half of the game against Green Bay, when Devonta Adams ran that deep one, it sure looked like Sherman's legs were gone. And I, if I'm if I am Kansas City, I circled that guy and I'm going to see and I'm going to check those hamstrings.
1: Yep. Test it. Test all of it. We'll find out. He's a veteran. This guy's a veteran. Love Jason Cole. You can follow him on Twitter, by the way, at Jason Cole62. Pro Football Hall of Fame, a voter. Uh, longtime columnist and writer, FloridaFootballInsiders.com. He'll be writing more about the Hall of Fame and the Super Bowl as this weekend unfolds. Let's get into it. Just as a general comment, what's it like for you year after year to come into that room, participate in the process where presentations are being made, the votes are being done? This is the 100th year of it. There are more of them. Just as a quick comment, uh, it, it's it's got to be fascinating every year to sit and take part of this, I have to believe.
0: Oh, it's, uh, like it's the thing that I, I don't want to say I look forward to the most because it's hard. Okay. I, t- I think I take the greatest amount of pleasure in knowing I'm going to be part of this. Um, it's an honor to do it. To help in a small way, um, uh, contribute to the history of the game um, by determining who goes in the Hall of Fame and to have that responsibility because it is a responsibility to, to other people, both the people who are already in the hall to make sure that this honor is, is worthy and valuable. Cause I've had some you know guys say, we're putting too many guys in the hall of fame and, you know, some crotchety hall of famers who think that the <laughs> honor is being tarnished. Right. And, and to some extent they're right. To some extent, you know, <laughs> there's still a very small percentage of guys who go into the hall of fame. Right. So, Can we calm down about it? Um,
1: (laughs) And on that point, can I just interject? Football has 22 guys offensively and defensively and then the specialists. Basketball has five on the court at any time. Hockey has six. Baseball has nine. Eight of them are position players. One of them's a pitcher. So I, I can understand where you got to have more in football because you have 22 starters on each side that are on the that are on the field. It's different. It's more. So I I, I don't have a problem with that. But obviously some do, and I I have a feeling that's something that you're writing about too here. Uh, that that uh, you know, the whole point of the premise are there too many. I think it's a it's a uh, I don't know that it's a great debate. I don't think there's much of an argument that there are too many that are going in in a sport again where there's 22 guys on the field, not 10 or 12 at any given time.
0: Yeah, but it's like there are some guys where you sit there and go, All right, "Is this guy going in because he's popular or because he was great?" And it's a really tough argument. And there and see, there are no rules. There's no like, there's no standard. Like I had. This one, this one Hall of Famer, who I see is part of my survey. So what I do every year is I contact at least 300 people. And I've got 325 this year, right? Who played and or were coaches and or were executives or even owners, right? People who work in the game, for teams. They're on the field. They're in the meetings. They're in the facilities all the time they're part of the whole process right they're not just writers observing what the game is they're people who who work within it right so those are the people i look for and I'm, I'm trying to find people you know with at least 15 20 years of experience right You know, before they vote and hopefully more so i consult those people every year trying to find their opinions Among them, there's like, I think, almost 30 Hall of Famers are in that group. So one of them, I send send him the survey on a text message, and we start getting into this argument. it's not really an argument, because I'm not arguing with him, right? But he's like, well, what's the criteria? And I was like, well, there is no criteria. There's no written rules, but there's common sense. He goes, well, common sense looks Getting bad, right? I'm like, okay. If you if you don't want to vote for anybody, or if you only think there's one or two out of those fifteen modern era candidates who you think is worthy, that's fine. Only vote for one or two. And then he gets into Dion said it best. You know, we're putting two guys, many guys in the Hall of Fame. He just got, kind of goes on a rant, and I'm sitting here. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not arguing with you. I'm only, I'm living by the rules of the process. Okay, which is there's 15 guys. You get a maximum of five guys. Tell me, give me your opinion on who among those 15 deserves to get in. And you can't name more than five of them at a time. If you don't want to name five, that's fine. Right. Name one, two, three, whatever. That's okay. You can do that. I've had plenty of people do that, you know, both this year and over the years. Right. But like, I'm not sitting here (laughs) debating how many guys should get into the Hall of Fame. That's a question for the people who run the Hall of Fame, not for me. But, you know, there are people out there who feel very strongly about this, that there are too many people, and that it's lowering the caliber of the players who go into the Hall of Fame. Um, And I understand that, but I also counter that by saying, okay, the game is 100 years old, literally. That's right. And we've got 326 people in the Hall of Fame.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. But, and I mean, it's pretty and it's pretty hun- hundreds and hundreds and thousands of guys play this game every year, year after year, for a decade, and you're putting in a fraction, a tiny, tiny fraction of that into the whole thing. And what? I was laughing when you were saying it. Dion doesn't have any problem once he's included, that we that we included him. Now he wants They're to well, restrict it. <laughs> right. yeah, Dion,
2: Dion's a, a no
0: brainer. You know, well, of course. Right. And it's like, being on this side of wrong, I just think there's a little bit of the grumpy old man boomer complex that's going on with some of these guys, right? It's like, hey, look, you know, it's not like we're putting in 50 guys every year. But this year, I think what accentuates the problem is this year, on top of the five guys, we're going to get elected on Saturday there have already been 15 elected for what they're calling their centennial class this big giant celebration of the hall of fame right and all these because they put in two coaches they put in i think three contributors and then the, the,
1: the, these
0: are people who have already been elected because there i think everybody knows from a couple of weeks ago jimmy johnson and bill cower got in
1: right um, steve sable you know, nfl films got one of the contributor parts steve
0: sable, yep, yep. Yep. Carmichael as as an old-time player. A bunch of of guys got in, and I think that that volume part is what irks some people. And I will say this, from my perspective, I know there are some old-timers who probably deserve some consideration here. Everybody's going to point to Jerry Kramer. He was, you know, people pounded the table for Jerry Kramer for years. But I think we do sort of overdo it with the old-time players, and we're, we're we're putting in some guys who are a little bit marginal at, at times. You know, Ken Stabler was certainly a very good quarterback. If you tell me he's a Hall of Famer, I'm not going to put up a huge think about it. But I'm not. I'm also like I'm not necessarily feeling it either. Right? I can't it's what a, it's
1: what these debates easy. are all about. It's what the Hall of Fame debates right. are that's all right,
0: about. That's right. Yeah, right, it's a little bit like, oh, okay. And, you know, Jerry Kramer, okay, i heard the arguments for years. But there are, you know, we put David Robinson from the from the Packers in before we put in Jerry Kramer as a, as a senior committee candidate. I'm like, well, if Jerry Kramer's so good, how come David Robinson w- went at the fourth, right? <laughs> Number one, like, why did he get put up before Jerry Kramer? The second part is, you realize – there are thirteen Packers who played for the Packers in the nineteen sixties who are in the Hall of Fame. That roster only had forty guys. Do <laughs> so you tell me that like thirty percent of a team? And and one of those is obviously Lombardi, okay? So right. you know, he's not a player. But there's there's thirteen guys from the sixties Packers who are in the Hall of Fame. Seriously? Yeah. Like, I mean Sometimes we fall in love with the aura of a team. And look, granted, the Packers were really good in the 60s. But they were really good for about five or six years. And, yes, they were dominant. They were dominant in a league that had 12 teams. Right. This is not they – were, they were not dominant in a league with 32. Um, or even 26. Like Pittsburgh in the 70s right. winning four titles. There were 26 teams in that league that was and and you know and grew to 28 at one point right that was when you know that league was you know was way better than the league, the NFL in the 60 no doubt or the 50s in terms of level of competition number of players sophistication of the game as it continued to grow so you, know, you tell me about a dominant teams of the of the 70s okay i'm willing to buy into seven or eight guys from those teams but Thirteen guys from a from a roster that most years had forty guys. Like, I mean, Horning and Taylor, like that's an, and Bart Starr, the entire backfield man. <laughs> I
1: I hear you yeah, on it the debate.
0: It, 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 it just gets it just gets to me a little.
1: I can tell. That's the voice of Jason Cole. A few more moments. hanging with me. Three Dog Thursday podcast. Jason, again, writing for FloridaFootballInsiders.com. read him more there about the Hall of Fame. Some great moments of, of Super Bowls in Florida and Miami, specifically as the Chiefs and the 49ers get ready to play on Sunday. I always love the inside. Hey, one more because there's debate that's going to go on in that room about Tony Boselli, for example, the Jaguars left tackle, who was fantastic for a shorter amount of time. And the Hall of Fame has put other players in. Terrell Davis recently, you mentioned the Broncos and Elway and the back-to-back Super Bowls. Terrell Davis, phenomenal numbers in a very small sample size because of injury. For about five or six years, he went in the Hall of Fame. And there have been a couple of others. Gail Sayers, very famously as an old timer, didn't play what only six or seven seasons, I think, because of injury. He's in the Hall of Fame. What about for uh-huh. you and your mindset when you're when you're looking at these candidates? Uh, how much does it play in that that a guy maybe was only great for a segment, like what you're talking about, of four, five, six years, as opposed to somebody that maybe did it over 10, 11, 12, 13 years, Jason?
0: Well, I think let's... A lot of guys play 10, 11, 12, 13 years, right? Very few are dominant for that long. okay? They're dominant for a four- or five-year or six-year period, right? And then... They're very good most of the rest of their career. Like if you look at him, you know, no commentary on what happened the rest of his life, but OJ Simpson, who's a Hall of Fame player. He really had four great years uh, in the middle of the, you know, including the 2,000-yard career.
2: Mm-hmm. The rest of
0: his career is so-so. Um, not, not that great. But the four great years are amazing. And then he did play you know, basically... Three years before he became great, and then another six years afterwards, right? So he did have, you know, a good long career. Um, same can be said for, you know, a lot of other players. Bruce Smith had a high point to his career. The rest of it was great, don't get me wrong, but there were heights of it. Lawrence Taylor, as, as much as people say, greatest defense player of all time, if you look at his seasons, it's really only about four truly great years statistically. And the rest of it is sort of hopscotch because of some other issues. So it doesn't, that one doesn't bother me. Like if Terrell Davis had just been healthy for three more years or two, you know, two more years and put up some average stats for him, nobody would be worried about it because he'd be up there around 10,000 yards and he would have had the phenomenal success and would have played a long time. I think Terrell Davis gets, Discounted because of the success of the Denver running game, even when he wasn't there. You know, the mm-hmm. guys like Olandis Landis, Gary, and Mike Anderson, Clinton Portis, who put up big numbers. Yeah, they put up big numbers. They didn't put up Terrell Davis numbers, and they didn't win titles. And Terrell Davis did those things when he had, you know, and, yes, he had John Elway next to him. But, like, I go back to adult, the the Broncos for a two-year period, maybe even three if you include the year before when they got upset by Jacksonville. Um, that was as good a team as any in the league for, for a three-year period of time. And we're fighting to have more than three guys or four guys off that team making it to the Hall of Fame. You know, I think there's four right now. And that's Elway, Davis, Sharp, and Gary
2: Zimmerman. right? Again, and I Steve
1: Atwater is a finalist this year. He would have been on right. those teams or around those teams, but not in yet, to around, your point. Around right. those teams at right.
0: the time. Sort of sort of fallen off by that point in time. But... Um, I just, you know, I find it fascinating that the, the short term, the short career thing. And I always go back to look, Gale Sayers was put in the Hall of Fame. If you're telling me that Gale Sayers doesn't belong in the Hall of Fame because he had a short career, well, I think he's being silly. He's a historic figure. He's a dynamic figure. He's electric. He's people that, that's a guy that everybody paid to watch. Okay. And everybody knew it. Now, he played like 65 games. Um, you know, if that's the precedent, then. Don't don't talk to me about Baselli. Baselli belongs in. I think there's a very good chance he gets in. I think it's going to be a very dynamic argument that will come down to. And again, go back to my my survey that I did. The out of the three offensive linemen who are on this ballot, Baselli, Steve Hutchinson, and Alan fanica it's there's only one there's only one vote that separates Baselli and Hutchinson as the top two. I think it's They've got like, one's got 125, the other one's got 124. That falls off to Fanica somewhere in the 90s, right? And that's, a, you know, that's fine. Okay. Fanica is still a great player, and I think all three of them um, should and will go in. Probably not this year, but eventually. And there's a good chance that two of those guys can make it this year, but at least one of those three is going to get in, and I would put a small wager on the sellers.
1: And it's interesting because you start talking about Leroy Butler or Edrin James or Reggie Wayne or some of these, and Reggie Wayne and Troy Polamalu are first He's got year.
0: has got a lot of support,
1: too. And, and their first year, Palomalu and, and Wayne both make it as finalists. But you can't put everybody in numerically. So it is an interesting debate with the lineman you were mentioning, with John Lynch, who's now a seventh consecutive year finalist. He's there as the 49ers GM, although that's not really supposed to be part of the criteria here. You can, My point, you can't put everybody in. That's what we talked about earlier in the conversation. When you start talking about have you put too many in, you only got five out of that group when the debate happens right. and when the vote happens. So it'll be, be fun right. to watch it all so, unfold. And-
0: Right. And the other way of looking at this, and Peter, you know, Peter King looked at it this way, and I've been looking at it this way for uh, a while, but Peter King did it in his Monday column um, is okay, you got Palomalu. Uh, Palomalo goes on, you know, automatically. You got 14 guys left, you got four spots. One of the offensive linemen, right, goes in. I, I think there's no doubt right. one of them will get in. Now you got three spots left, and you got 13 guys. Okay. Um, one of the wide receivers, and I think it's gonna be Isaac Bruce who's gonna go in because he's got by far the most support among those three the three wide receivers, and it's Isaac Bruce, Tory Holt, and Reggie Wayne. Um I think it's gonna be Isaac Bruce out of those three. So now you got three guys in, you got two spots left for twelve and you got twelve guys, right? <laughs>
1: <laughs> not easy good luck right not right. easy
0: yeah, I mean, it's good luck i mean but that's the fun of it i mean that's i mean that's part of the joy of it it's it's you know having a, a long and so I, I expect this to be a very long meeting like last year was a very short meeting and it was like but it was a very short meeting because we had tony gonzalez who was a no-brainer right we had ed reed no-brainer and then we had champ bailey who required only a minimal amount of discussion Right, so three spots were basically covered. It's like what were we arguing about? Um, And it became a very difficult argument among the offensive linemen. Kevin why got in, Um, but the, the, the a lot of the discussion was very very short because there was, you know, there was just no reason for it.
1: Well, let's see where the discussion turns. We'll know those names when they do the NFL Honors Award Show Saturday night before the Super Bowl. And then the induction, obviously, later this summer. Let's see if we get a fantastic Super Bowl game, at least a good one, if not a great one, between the 49ers and the Chiefs. This one is a good one, if not a great one. Jason Cole, I always love the conversation. Read him, floridafootballinsiders.com, writing about the Hall of Fame and the induction stuff for this weekend and also favorite memories. I'm curious, because we didn't tip it here, what are his best ones, his top, let's say, three ones. I'm curious to hear what he comes up with. Looking forward to it, Jason. Thank you for hopping on with me here on the podcast.
0: All right. Talk to you.
1: Countdown on to Super Bowl 54. Will the game ever get here? It is Three Dog Thursday. It is the Chiefs who've been waiting 50 years to play in one of these again against the San Francisco 49ers who have won six times uh, in this game. So uh, there's obviously a lot to discuss and break down and love the insight from MajorWager.com and Vegas Insider the handicapping and we will talk a little college hoops too but tons of super bowl with brian edwards who's back with me on three dog thursday uh we we are going to get to sunday aren't we we eventually get to sunday and they actually kick this thing off because i I, midweek i'm just over all the talking and talking and talking and endless talking about it how are you sir well, <clears throat>
3: I went 5-0 and in college hoops and 2-1 and in NBA last night, so I, I'm, I'm in no rush. Now, before that, I was kind of ready for the game to get here, but but now I'm settling in on some hoops and ready for just some, uh, a nice little slate of basketball tonight. But, All right. But yeah, no, can't wait for the game to
1: get it. All right, so we'll circle back to the hoops in a couple of moments, but... Let's let's just talk about now the teams have arrived they're practicing in Miami. I, I guess the 49ers threw a hissy fit midweek about the conditions of the turf at the University of Miami's practice facility in Coral Gables. We've gotten that rectified. Uh all right, so what do you make of this as we as we head towards Sunday with the 49ers kind of playing old school defensive run the football type 70s 80s Maybe even early '90s NFL, and meanwhile you have the electric Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs' high-powered offense. What are you? What are you thinking? What are you making of this as we approach Sunday?
3: Well, it's so lame of me, but um, and I'll get to the total in a minute. But uh, I'm just really just undecided on the side, and kind of starting to think I'm not gonna decide on the side, and maybe just look to end game if if, if a team gets. Uh, <clears throat> down behind you know big early maybe get a either team at a hopefully uh north of a plus seven maybe but i i you know i bl- really believe in, in a uh, kind of a sink or swim strategy for the super bowl i like to have a in which for me this week is going to be the which is actually down to fifty four and a half at, at some books today um I like to have about 75% of my bankroll tied into my one big play so that if I go play five or six props for small amounts, if I go 0-5, you know what, I'm not going to worry about it because I'm going to sink or swim with my big bet. And that's going to be the over. Um, And when I do props, I like to do the ones for small amounts at big odds. I've hit the one to score the first touchdown three times. I had Devin Hester, uh, Bears, Colts opening kickoff twenty five to one. I had Anquan Bolden twelve to one. Niners Ravens at New Orleans, and I had Brandon Lafell, LaFell out of LSU eighteen to one. In one of the Patriots Super Bowls, I can't remember if it was Seattle or the Giants one, but uh, this year I'm I'm going to go. Um, I'm looking at Debo Samuel at twelve to one odds, um, and I, I wouldn't be against Sammy Watkins at eighteen to one. But but Debo, I can't just say two of them. I, I'm, I'm gonna go with one. I'm gonna go Debo at twelve to one, and then for MVP. And again, twelve you know, to one. Let me stop
1: you. Twelve to one to score the first touchdown of the game. That's what you like.
3: Correct. Of, of the first touchdown by either team. Right. Know, right. Not just the uh, not specific. Correct.
1: Okay, so you like uh, that. You like that for the first score is Debo Samuel. Interesting. Not Mostert, the running back. Not any of the Chiefs. That's interesting. And for MVP, I didn't mean to derail you completely there. What about for MVP, you're thinking?
3: Well, um, I'll throw a few out there because I I like to look at the long odds. Uh, You know, Kittle is 16-1. to If San Fran has the lead for much of the game and, you know, Jimmy G doesn't throw for, you know, 20 attempts or, you know, cause he's been so low on his attempts, but that was with big leads now. So we can't pr- presume that's going to happen. But in other words, like, you know, you would need that to be the case so that the quarterback's not getting credit for what the receiver does. Like I don't think you try for Tyree kill because he's only run the ball eight times this year. He's only had one punt return. So any credit he gets for long, long plays will be also credit to Mahomes. Uh, like when Hines Ward won the MVP, he had a pass for a Correct. touchdown trick play. Correct. Big Ben didn't play well. So it's hard for a receiver to get it. But I could see Kittle maybe having one or two touchdown catches. And if Jimmy G only throws 20 balls the whole night, you know, he could get it ahead of, of Jimmy G. And Debo's at 33-1 to 1 now, and he runs the ball. He had three rushing touchdowns uh, in the regular season. And then there's Bosa, 25-1. to 1. If he has a big game, sacks, it probably would need to be a forced fumble. Scoop and See, score. I like we I like
1: defense. that one. What is he again? I like Nick Bosa uh, as a dark, dark horse. What do you got him at for MVP to get a couple of sacks, maybe a sack fumble, something like that? What do you like?
3: 25-1. to 1. He mm. had 12 sacks in the regular season and three in the postseason. But remember, he, he missed a few games in the regular season, though.
1: He did, and they like defensive MVPs. They like quarterback MVPs. They like defensive MVPs. Although Jerry Rice in the 49er lore did win the MVP with the great final drive he and Montana marching down the field, Rice was the MVP in that Super Bowl win in Miami against the Cincinnati Bengals and and Desmond Howard won it as a wide receiver as well, so there've been some guys that have uh, that have pulled off the MVP award uh, as a receiver as well, but that that might be a good dark horse play there. Uh, for that interesting the line is basically held as Kansas City as the favorite by a point and a half I guess favoring uh, the offense Um again you're looking at the total and, and believing that San Francisco is not going to be able to smother Kansas City the way that they smothered Minnesota and, and also there in the um, in the NFC championship game uh, as well um so you you think kansas city's going to be able to score some points unlike what green bay was able to do the last time we saw the i mean green bay scored in the second half after the game was 27 nothing so i guess that's one reason why you're looking at the total and saying maybe the chiefs can get some late points even if they're way behind
3: yeah i mean i just don't think you can completely shut down patrick mahomes uh for four quarters i mean maybe maybe you can early um but uh you know, if you get a lead on him early, that means they're doing nothing but passing. So, uh, you know, I, I just think... And, that, and, and frankly,
1: to... if I can interrupt again, that's exactly what happened in the two uh, playoff games is they got way behind, yeah. obviously, in the first quarter against the Texans. And they were still behind 17-7 against the Titans both at home. So that's been the scenario for the first two games, to your point, Brian. Again, I got
3: Sam Brand's going to score theirs. As well. And, um, <clears throat> I, you know, I don't know that they're going to be in a situation where they get such a big lead, they just eat clock and run the ball only. But Kansas City does struggle against the run, but they were a lot better with Chris Jones back against uh, the Titans and Derrick Henry. They, you know, contained him but certainly more so than uh, Pats and Ravens did.
1: All right, we'll see as things get closer here about this matchup and history. History will be made one way or the other. Let's hope for an exciting game because sometimes these things have turned out to be duds. Uh, we've we've kind of had a rut, uh, a run though of of really good ones uh back and forth here over over the years now the game last year incredibly dull defensive game that we went all the way through three quarters without a touchdown so so hopefully we don't get i don't think that's going to be the problem brian edwards uh hard rock stadium sunday that we're going to go three quarters without an offensive touchdown i don't think that's going to happen right on
3: yeah i mean you go back to even 2009 the great one with pittsburgh arizona We've had pretty much really good games since then, other than the Seattle Denver blowout. The Denver Carolina game was right. not very good. Right. And then last year, but at least it, it was close, though, last year. And really, all the other ones have been pretty much thrillers, man. New England, Seattle, Atlanta, New England, uh, Philly, New England, one of the more entertaining. Baltimore, San Fran, oh, yeah. Giants, New England. All those games, one possession games, except for New Orleans, Indy. But Indy led that game. Were they up? Were they up double digits at half in that game? Or they were I up? believe so. They yes.
1: The on- heck, yeah. And then they did the onside kick, and the Saints had the big rally, and of course that one was also in Miami. So we've had we've had some interesting ones. Of course, the 49ers, when last they were in the Super Bowl, was in Miami. Now twenty five years ago. My God, Brian Edwards, am I that old uh, that that Super Bowl was twenty five years ago? Uh, And I I love this week. We've already heard Deion Sanders was talking about this. Jerry Rice has previously talked about this as well, that the 49ers were so locked in uh, with the offense, with Steve Young, with what they had for the game plan uh, and, and ready to go. Uh, that they knew that Jerry Rice was going to score on this certain post pattern that he had and they were planning to run it on the first or second play of the game and Deion was saying this earlier in the week he goes we're talking the whole week about how Jerry's going to score on this pass on the first or second play of the game and he goes my god he scored on the second play of the game exactly like we mapped it out they got the coverage he ran down the middle with his hand up and Steve Young hit him and the, and the Chargers basically never recovered so uh, I don't know that it will be that way for Garoppolo and the and the 49ers with Samuel or Emmanuel Sanders or George Kittle uh, to make a big play like that. But there is a certain expectation when you're playing for the 49ers in this, in this biggest game. And, and boy, for Mahomes, who is iconic right now uh, with the jersey sales and with the kids, he can cement the legacy for a long, long time uh, if they can get a Super Bowl win here. We will uh, we will see what happens. All right. So a couple of fun things. We're going to get into some college basketball and some NBA. But I love these different proposition bets, and I want to go over a couple of them with you. Speaking uh, of uh, of totals, so uh, Garoppolo and the passing yards. Uh, There's a prop bet that is out there from Vegas Insider and also the William Hill Sportsbook. They have a prop bet out there, Jimmy Garoppolo's passing yards against the overall NBA point total of the New Orleans Pelicans and the Houston Rockets playing Sunday afternoon. So Pelicans, Rockets point total, right now the underdog, by half a point to Garoppolo's passing yards. What do you got Garoppolo's passing yards at? Uh, it's not been great in the playoffs, so uh, it might be the Rockets-Pelicans uh, play there.
3: Yeah, I, I would I would definitely prefer the, the Rockets-Pelicans uh, there. The Overs hit three straight for Houston. The Overs on a 13-2-1. Uh, for the pelicans and i mean most of those totals have been in the upper 230s and i mean they've been getting i had another one last night for a winner they've had a lot of their games getting into the 260s uh and the rockets play no defense i mean i i I think that Rockets pelicans total will be at least 240 if my if not maybe even you know uh, 243 244 so um and you said uh Jimmy G's passing yards are laying a half point I, I would I would I w- I like the Houston uh and New Orleans over uh compared to Jimmy G's passing yards.
1: Very interesting and we'll see how much they're uh, they're able to throw it in that one? Okay, so here's I, I love these. Here's another fun one because I'm a big golf guy and I, I've been uh, talking to Brian Edwards uh, from MajorWager.com and, and also uh, Brian Sports.com. Love his insight. Follow him at VegasBEdwards by the way on Twitter and follow Major Wager Uno as well for the number one Major Wager Uno as uh, it's very it's very interesting to get all of his information, all the stuff that's out there. So before we pressed the record button here, I was talking to you about golf props, and you're like, look, I, I don't know as much about the golf, but I think this one is interesting every year. So the Waste Management Open is in Phoenix. It's as raucous as any PGA Tour event. That 16th hole is like a football game. The par 3 16th with literally about 15,000 lubed up, let's say Brian Edwards, lubed up fans that are around that green by late in the day Uh, so it's fun to watch this tournament and justin thomas very interesting golfer former major champion at the pga championship 12 wins on the pga tour already won in maui earlier this year it's a rough life as a tour golfer brian to go win a golf tournament the tournament of champions in maui justin thomas how many birdies will he make versus patrick mahomes rushing attempts now Typically, unless a PGA Tour golfer goes nuts, the birdies would be like four, five, six, 5, 6 in a round. If you go nuts, you make 8 or 9 in a round. But typically, Justin Thomas, somewhere around probably like 5 or 6 birdies. Now, this is predicated on him making the cut. He's got to make the cut and make the weekend and play on Sunday. I wonder versus Mahomes' rushing attempts. What do you have for the Patrick Mahomes' rushing attempts on the regular season in the two playoff games, Brian Edwards?
3: So he played 14 regular season games and had 43 rushing attempts. So that's like 3.1 right, right. Uh, attempts per game. However, in the playoffs, he had seven uh, rushes in uh, against the Texans and eight against the Titans. And I'm of the belief that San Fran's got the best pass rush in the league. So I think he could be, whether he wants to or not, be forced to take off and run a little more <laughs> right. so in right. general. So I, I'm thinking he carries the ball, you know, six to nine, maybe even ten times. So I would
1: lean toward uh, Mahomes'
3: rushing yards. And did you say it was a pick, em
1: or it's a minus. A it's or? a minus half from Mahomes. And we should say the NFL does count kneel downs as rushing attempts, and that may be part of those two totals against Houston and against Tennessee in the AFC Championship game, where he was kneeling on the ball at the end of the game, and that counts uh, for the rushing attempts being greater than Justin Thomas's birdies. If Kansas City is kneeling on the ball about nine, they hope they are about nine. Nine forty-five Eastern Time on uh, on Sunday night. Uh, we'll see. We'll we'll see what happens um, uh, with that. But again, Justin Thomas would have to go crazy with birdies, and that's a course where you can make a lot of birdies. The TPC Scottsdale course in Arizona, but. Uh, We'll see. And Mahomes, of course, had the spectacular run where everybody came unglued with the great run down the sideline and got in the end zone and Jim Nance going crazy on the call. You're right. He may be scrambling some um, against the 49ers uh, in, in this matchup. Uh, We will find out on that. So, again, just some fun prop bets uh, here with this as well. So let's segue. There's some Super Bowl talk. Again, Brian Edwards with me for a few more moments. College basketball. We're big on this because, good grief, after this weekend, there's no more NFL. We lock in mostly on college. You give me a little NBA every now and then, a little UFC uh, when they have a pay-per-view every now and then with an underdog. But for college hoops right now, a kind of interesting, we're looking ahead to the Thursday games and also to the Saturday games. Do you have anything that strikes you on the Thursday college basketball games? A um, a Thursday night slate that includes Minnesota at Illinois in Big Ten play, with Minnesota as the small underdog in that one. Iowa at Maryland. Iowa's been scoring a bunch of points as of late. They're 6-3 in the Big Ten. Maryland 6-3 and three in the Big Ten. And also Pac-12, Oregon at Cal as well on Thursday night. Anything strike your fancy for Thursday, for Three Dog Thursday purposes? Well, let me
3: be uh, clear that I, I would need to be getting double digits and preferably 12 or 13, but I will say that Mark Fox who, who I, I thought a lot of uh, at Georgia, uh, certainly a really good game coach. Um, and It's his first year at Cal. He'll get it turned around. He's kind of lacking on the personnel, but he's got them improving right now. They beat, they beat a good Stanford team on Sunday night. They've won all three of their Pac-12 games at home. So if they're catching 11 or 12, uh, I would consider Cal tomorrow night uh, at home on the Pac-12 network at 9 p.m. Eastern. Now Minnesota – Um, Came through for me last uh, Thursday, as we discussed last week. And in fact, won outright at Ohio State. Now, Illinois is playing a lot better than Ohio State. But if Minnesota were to be getting eight or nine tomorrow night, um, they would get some consideration from me at Illinois. Now, it's a quick turnaround for Iowa. Now, Maryland played Sunday and Iowa played Monday. But Iowa had to make a furious rally. They were down double digits uh, at home to Wisconsin Monday night with about Six or seven minutes left to play they made a furious rally and won outright and now they got to go on the road road a pretty quick turnaround so yeah and i like i will but they're much better at home I, they would have to be getting a good chunk of points for me to consider them on the quick turnaround they'd probably have to be getting eight or nine and i well, don't
1: food that food for thought i uh, oregon at colorado back on january 2nd uh they were getting a point and a half and lost the game they laid four and a half but covered and won at utah right after that on that swing they laid nine and a half the ducks at Air, at uh, washington state back on january 16th lost the game and obviously uh, didn't cover in that instance played washington and then won that crazy game where they came roaring from behind laying two and a half in that one so they have not really been a. They were a nine and a half point favorite at uh, Washington State, and obviously lost the game outright. The Ducks we're talking about, but you make a good point. Cal nipped Stanford fifty-two fifty uh, in the rivalry game Sunday night. Hung on to win, kind of a low scoring game. We'll see about the uh, the Golden Bears. I'm looking as well at their Pac-12 lines as a home underdog to see if they've been a home underdog. They were getting six and a half against Washington and won the game outright back on January the 11th, and they have not been a home underdog in the conference. Other than that, so let's just see. Maybe they do get
3: Stanford. Stanford, they were. Stanford the
1: other night. Oh, correct. Yes, they were getting eight. You're right on your on your total. So right. So they've done this twice. You're right against Washington and Stanford. My bad. This is why you're you, by the way, Brian Edwards. So two <laughs> two times. Right. They got six and a half against Washington, the Cal Bears we're talking about, and eight the other night against Stanford and covered both times. But you say you need that to be double digits for you to be very comfortable Thursday night game Oregon and Cal. Right. Yeah, I needed to be
3: double digits. And, yeah, who knows? It'll probably be in that 8 to 12 range. It's probably going to be right at around 10.
1: Something like that. And again, you may already know that result. You may know that Oregon clobbered them. You may be listening on Friday or Saturday because the show show is obviously going to live through the Super Bowl weekend here. You may already know what happens there, but keep an eye on Cal Bears. You're pointing more towards Saturday here and a couple of very intriguing games that will be on Saturday, uh, including Syracuse, uh, a a close loss. But that was one of your winners, one of your documented underdogs uh, on Vegas Insider, right, was Syracuse with Clemson. Uh, back on Tuesday night uh, and now the Q's hosting Duke on Saturday night on ESPN right
3: yeah so Syracuse had won five in a row uh they were up one and had the ball with like 12 seconds left but there was like a five or six second gap in the shot clock and the game clock so they penetrated and went to the hole and got a good shot in down low but um It it, it was off the mark, and Clemson went down and got a game-winning bucket with like a a second and a half left, but they still covered plus two. So Syracuse is five and one straight up their last six, six and zero against the spread their last six. And if they're getting more than five at Mm. home to Duke on Saturday night, I I could be looking at them. And I I would think Duke will probably be in that four to six and a half range, um, and hopefully. Hopefully north of five, I'll be looking
1: at the Qs. They have had some wild games, Duke and Syracuse in the Carrier Dome, a couple of them since the Qs has come into the ACC uh, early last decade. We'll see what happens uh, in this matchup. And I know Coach K, it's all over the internet with the memes of him yelling at the Cameron crazies about, cool it, don't don't insult Jeff Capel over here, my former player, my former assistant, who's now the pit coach uh, for their game on – Uh, on uh, tuesday night uh but yeah that's coach k defending his guys whether it's him uh whether it's chris collins at northwestern wojahowski um at uh, wojo at marquette uh tommy amaker at harvard mike bray even one of his former assistants Notre Dame. he's going to defend his guys Uh, and man maybe duke lost a little focus too because they were up by by 14 15 points and Pitt, late in that game, in the final two minutes, got it to like within two in that game, Capel's team. Yeah. So maybe it distracted him a little bit there, Brian Edwards, that Coach K was so animated screaming at the crazies over there.
2: Yeah,
3: I don't know what he was doing there. It seemed like a major reaction. Uh, in fact, they were, they were saying on one of the shows I was watching last night that one of the things they were saying was a compliment to him, something like, come sit, <laughs> come with, sit with, us. with us. Come sit
1: with us, come like, sit with us was yeah. part of the chant. Um, well, and the other thing I always say when you go there, those are the future leaders of Fortune 500 companies, uh, NASA workers, and all kinds of things that are over there in that section with blue body paint on them in, in the Cameron Crazy section. It's not just any student section when you're going over and barking at them. But Coach K was clearly uh, none too pleased um, uh, about that, and he and he joked about it after the game, where he was saying, "Hey, why don't why don't we turn that into Go Duke or Let's Go Duke? Turn it into something." Else. Turn it into something else uh, if you're the craziest, Hey, a couple more games that interest me. So ESPN is going to do their game day coverage. Kentucky at Auburn. Kentucky, the great win uh, for them on the road at Texas Tech. At the time we're taping, we don't know the final, the result of Kentucky playing Vanderbilt, but they should clobber them at home at Rupp Arena on, uh, on Wednesday night so now they go to Auburn an Auburn team that on Tuesday went to Ole Miss Brian and trailed by 17 at halftime to a bad Ole Miss team rallied got the game into overtime it went to double overtime and Auburn won we suspect that Kentucky is going to be the road favorite in that game do you sniff Auburn at all as a home dog kind of like Syracuse for Saturday for three dog Thursday purposes You know, Auburn, I mean, great rally
3: last night. And I guess you could point at it being a look-ahead spot. But they're just struggling right now. And I I just don't know that I want to back them. Now, we both, you and I both thought Kentucky would be favored at Texas Tech. And and we were both wrong on that.
1: But it only ended up being like a one, right? Like a one or a one and a half, something like that. They gave it to them for the home court, right?
3: I, I just I don't I forget what it closed at because once I saw Texas Tech favored I, I wasn't interested up but I know that it was open like Friday you know late Friday afternoon Texas Tech minus three and a half and I was pretty floored by that so I you know I don't know that Kentucky will be favored in this game maybe Auburn will be a favorite right. by a point or two right but but I um I, I, Auburn is not a team I'm looking to play right now they've been struggling for a solid couple of weeks now. And, and it we're probably a little overrated to be, begin with staying undefeated as, as long as they did. And it, it wasn't like, Super. I mean, they didn't play a soft non-conference schedule, but nothing. it wasn't super-duper hard by any means.
1: And Kentucky is coming around, and again, they should pummel Vandy yeah. in this game Wednesday night. Vandy is undermanned. It's at Rupp Arena. That's kind of the tune-up. They're going to be like the punching bag. It might as well say Everlast on their foreheads. It'll be like a punching bag for Kentucky to get ready for Auburn uh, for that game uh, that's coming on uh Saturday. All right, so lots of lots of college hoops. Uh you've got some uh you do you have any more NBA to tickle me with here for the next couple of days uh before we get to the weekend or something like that again. We'll we'll watch that Pelicans um a Houston game for the total because we're looking at that versus Jimmy G passing yards, Jimmy Garoppolo passing yards on a prop bet. That'd be fun uh, to watch his passing yards against Pelicans Rockets point total. We'll see what happens uh, without anything else. NBA, or are you good here with uh, with the college doggies in the Super Bowl?
3: Well, I, I just like you. You know, you mentioned the Pelicans overs. Man, they have been terrific. You know, keep an eye on them and, and the Hawks overs as long as Trey Young and, and John Collins are healthy. Uh, we saw another uh, over for the Hawks on Tuesday. Those have been thriving. And Oklahoma City, 18-5 and five against the spread on the road. They had won five in a row until Chris Paul was out the other night. Uh, but they get Paul back Wednesday. Just OKC on the road as a dog is, is, is a type of spot
1: to look for. And the NBA, again, plays several games on Sunday before the Super Bowl. Including uh, Giannis and the Bucks hosting the Phoenix Suns Sunday afternoon, uh, and also the defending champion Toronto Raptors playing Sunday. They're in Canada. They don't care as much about the Super Bowl. Raptors and Bulls are playing Sunday afternoon, too. So you got lots of NBA. And Brian, again, I'll segue, tweets a bunch about injury information, twi- uh, twi- uh, trends, if I can get it out. Uh, I have twins. I have twin daughters. Trends. Injury information, uh, sport spread information, uh, that kind of stuff for the NBA and the college hoops. Tell them more about how they find all your information over the next few days whenever they're hearing us on Three Dog Thursday leading up to the Super Bowl and all the great action.
3: Uh, yeah, majorwager.com, uh, picks always at vegasinsider.com. Uh, and, and I know we're shutting down here, but I, I spy another late-night Saturday uh, game in Utah State at San Diego State. Utah State has really righted the ship here the last couple weeks. After after they beat Florida, they they struggled for like a, a four- or five-game stretch, and they've got it back together, and their big man's healthy again. If Utah State's catching – you know, if they're catching seven or more at San Diego State, that might be a spot to look at Sam Merrill uh, and the Aggies. And um, otherwise, yeah, uh, uh, on Twitter, at Vegas B Edwards, you, you've already uh, hit me up with all – with all that good stuff, as you always do, TJ. So, uh, man, thanks for having me, and have a great Super Bowl weekend.
1: I always love uh, Brian Edwards. Again, Vegas B. Edwards on Twitter. Major Wager Uno on Twitter. Follow both of those because he's tweeting lots of information, injuries. I'll spit it out correctly. Game trends, uh, spreads, those kind of things all the way through the Super Bowl. These prop bets, that kind of uh, stuff. College basketball, the NBA. You were five for five on college picks, not just underdogs. Favorites, totals, uh, midweek. Pay attention to this guy. Hand. Uh, at majorwager.com and Vegas Insider. Always love it. Let's hope we get a good Super Bowl. I look forward to talking with you much more about college basketball. We go college basketball big time after this weekend because we got no football, Brian Edwards. I look forward to it. Thank you, brother.
3: Thank you, buddy. Have a great weekend. We well, appreciate, appreciate it, man.
1: And there we go. That will do it on this edition of Three Dog Thursday. Always love the insight of my guest, Brian Edwards, with us there most recently. With all those proposition bets, find him at MajorWager.com. Follow him on social media at Edwards. Uh, Vegas B. Edwards for Brian's social media handle. Jason Cole with us talking Hall of Fame voting. Will my man John Lynch, the former Buccaneer, now the 49ers GM, have quite the weekend. Will he get into the Hall of Fame on Saturday and then see his 49ers go on to win on Sunday? I think San Francisco wins the game. Giving the 49ers to win something like uh, 27-20. Something like Uh, 31-21. I like them to come up victorious in this game. Yes, I think Kansas City will score a little bit on them, but I think San Francisco is just too good, especially with that run game. I like what Gary Seegers was saying back at the beginning of the show, Winning Cures Everything podcast. Jimmy Garoppolo can make plays. Just because he hasn't been doesn't mean that he can't. So let's see how uh, this does play out for Super Bowl 54. Will it be another 49er win for their sixth one overall? I think yes. Uh, Breaking Patrick Mahomes' heart. But then again, if Mahomes proves me and a lot of other people wrong and wins this game, it's a Super Bowl championship in just his second year as a starter, third year overall. Let's find out what happens. Let's see what happens for the Chiefs and the 49ers. Enjoy all the action, whether it's the College Hoops or the Super Bowl coming Sunday. We're back again with another edition of of the only digital radio show you need to talk underdogs. That's coming next week. Lots more college hoops marching to march. Enjoy the 49ers and the Chiefs. I'm T.J. Reeves. Thank you for being with me on Three Dog Thursday. Bye.